Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, and I got my gray-bearded co-host alongside me, Elliot from Freelance Duck Gunning. How you doing tonight, Elliot? We are recording this on August 4th and September 4th. I'm going to be, at this time of the day, with a big grin because we are going to kill all the teal in Nebraska on September 4th. Nice. Is that your Four first? Four and a half weeks. That's your first uh your first duck hunting of the year? Yep, it is. We are going back to Nebraska with my buddy Ben because last year I was put on a sab, sab, sob story and asked someone to contact me and take me teal hunting <laughs> in Nebraska. And Matt is like 10 hours away from me, and that's just too far. So I had my buddy Ben, who's definitely uh, going to be a regular now. I'll probably end up hunting with him three or four times every year. He invited us out there, and we went out and shot a bunch of teal. So we're going back out again. This time, Golden Boy's coming with us. So it's going to be Fumbles, me, Golden Boy, and Ben out there in Nebraska that weekend. Awesome. Wait, who'd you say is all going? Aiden, my dad, myself, and Ben. Okay, awesome. Yeah, that's a that's pretty much same group as last year, but you threw in Golden Boy too, and mm-hmm. um, should be a good time. Those were some some crazy hunts. I remember uh, being a little. A little annoyed, and I had a, a little bit of shared <laughs> feeling. A little annoyed at the number of teal you guys had buzzing through your sets, and I didn't. I shot, I shot one teal in early season last year. That was it. So, yeah, we don't have the numbers that you guys have in the Central Flyway. Although I do know some people in you know other other surrounding areas that have gotten them good. But sounds like you guys will be on them again and and hammering them, and I'll have to just sit there being bitter <laughs> those two teal hunts the saturday and sunday I've, I've been trying to think back to all the teal hunts over my life and those i think both those two would be in the top 10 Pro- definitely day two would be in that then both of them were quick limits day two was just a little more special um georgie was a little better and day one i was just so hyped up it's like you know when you get so excited duck hunting that and it's, things are happening so fast that you don't remember stuff that's going on it's like when you're done with the hunt you're just like oh my gosh you're almost out of breath you know that was like day one day two was a little bit slower a little bit more measured and it was just my emotions were in better check day two so but so but those hunts were oh my gosh world class if there's a if if there's ever such thing as world-class deal hunting yeah would you say that it's better i know that was those are private land i mean Mm -hmm. compared to like your public land you think it's? You think that's part of the reason, or is it just location? Or yeah, yeah, it wasn't birds; it was location. The fact that we don't—I mean, we weren't actually hunting corn, but we were in a cornfield with that slew strip of green in the middle and bright blue sky. So if you watch the video, you've got this contrast of this like beautiful green on the floor with corn stalks that are waving in the wind and a bright blue sky on top of it, and the teal were coming like. The best way I can explain it is if you ever ever seen the first Star Wars and Luke Skywalker's in an X-Wing fighter yep. and he's trying to blow up the Death Star and all the X-Wing fighters were coming together and they were dropping into that little trough. That's what it was like. They were you just see them off in the distance and sometimes it's single, sometimes it was 
five, six, seven, eight, nine. And you, you could see them way off in the distance and they would all come just like X-Wing fighters and, and about 300 yards away from us, they would drop into the slough and they would be below or at the level of height of the corn and then just come straight at us. And then we were right on that little dog leg. So as they banked, they would either land or they would bank around. And as they banked around, it's like you'd get the wing display and the patches. And I mean, so it wasn't the amount of teal. It was definitely the location that made it that made it so cool. Because I've had plenty of teal hunts that were as quick and as easy as shooting. It was the mix of the location and the, the scenery. And it being Georgie's first couple hunts of her life. And she did good. But awesome. Oh, that was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, they're definitely solid hunts. You know, I'm giving you a little bit of crap about not not pulling the trigger as much as <laughs> I would have liked, but like you said, yeah. first first you uh, in thirty minutes. Yeah, you live in thirty minutes. It, yeah, it was. Yeah, that was awesome. One so. of my one of my goals this year is to shoot more doubles. I'm I'm going to worry less about shooting percentage because you got to just be on your game every second when you're really because I had never hit sixty percent, and so you have to be really concentrated. If you're, if my focus is shooting percentage, it was too much. It was too much focus on that for me. And I want to take a deep breath about that and um, not worry about it as much and try to shoot more doubles because Aiden always outshoots me in doubles. So there's, there's always, he and I are always bantering back and forth about our, our numbers and trying to, in the last couple of years, our big number that we were tracking each other on was shooting percent. Oh, and yeah. This year it's going to, I want to be, I want to shoot more doubles than Aiden. So that's, that's what's going to, I'm going to, that my, my join at him this year is going to be about doubles and I want to shoot more doubles than him. Nice. So that being said, I'm, I'm going to be a little more aggressive with the shooting. Awesome. Make you happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we definitely need to get, get a till episode in here soon going into September, kind of, kind of talking about it and all that, but we got, we aren't that far away from season, but you know, it was a, this was a big week for both of us on our YouTube channels. We started releasing some of our highly anticipated off season content uh, I've been working on series. I dropped the the part one to the bus build up on YouTube, guys. Check it out. I dropped part one to um, the Snake Swamp series, which dropped today. People are loving it. Awesome series again. Check that out. And then um, tomorrow, I got the Duck Torpedo. That's what I'm calling it. So <laughs> some cool videos. And you got some awesome videos coming out, too. You started, you dropped out your boat blind video. Um, and... Uh, we you dropped your simulated hunt video. We talked about that earlier on the podcast, but now it's actually officially out for everybody on YouTube, and that's a lot of what the podcast is going to be at, be at, be about today. So, um, but before we jump to that, I do want to get your I want to get your your opinion or your uh, your first take on it because I know you watched that the Snake Swamp series, and I'm super excited about it. So, what do you think about that, Elliot? I was sitting there actually thinking which video did I like better, the bus because I love that bus video or the snake swamp the videos in which you use the drone i'm really really drawn (laughs) to because from the snake swamp i know i mentioned this before those the the drone photos at the snake swamp when you just glance at it it looks like some kind of um um it's like a painting like a surreal i can't remember the type of painting it is (sighs) i can't remember the the genre but it's like a painting because there's so many colors but they're mostly different greens and patches and those, those drone, I can't get enough of those, that drone footage. So I'd have to go with the snake swamp video over the duck bus build video by hair. And yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited about that whole series and, and seeing the, everything about it. I, I think that you just, I'm a, I shouldn't be jealous. I know, but I'm a little <laughs> jealous that you have this place all to yourself, like this private, awesome 
private yeah. place. It so is cool. it is super cool. It is super cool. I think we're gonna get a lot of wood ducks out of it. That's all that I know that's guaranteed. I shouldn't even say guaranteed. That's what I feel like is guaranteed. We're gonna have some good wood duck hunts the first couple weeks of the season. And then after that, who knows? I mean, that's why I'm building the blinds and putting in the duck food and all that kind of stuff to try to make it as good as possible. I mean, there's a lot of geese in there in the spring. I don't think there's a lot right now. Um, there was some teal in there. There were some mallards during season that we got to crack at. Um, but I, I really think that the majority of what we're going to shoot in there is wood ducks. Who knows? We'll see. Time will tell. But I'm right there with you, man. I'm so excited about these series, and it was so much fun putting them together. And I'm glad when you have them done and you have to like hold on to them so long without putting them out, you just, you're just glad you're super excited when you can share them with everybody. Cause that's, I mean, that's why we make them. We make these series, make that content so we can share them with people. So awesome. But let's go ahead. Let's, uh, I'll, I'll let you kind of give, um, a brief introduction kind of about what we're going to be talking about. Um, and then we'll jump to the partners. Yeah, so I released the simulated duck hunt, and um, if you guys haven't seen it, my dad and Aiden and I went out, and um, we just performed. Uh, uh, we chopped sticks instead of guns, where we, where we, you know, counted how many birds we thought we shot and everything. So the video had a little bit of blowback by some people, both on YouTube and Facebook, that they thought we were either educating ducks or putting undue pressure on ducks. So a spirited conversation broke out. Um, on Facebook. And so I asked um, this guy named Rob to come on and talk to us about it and just have a conversation about what might be the negative effects of disturbance, off-season disturbance by by people. And, and just he, he and some others feel as though that's not a practice you should do. You shouldn't be out messing with ducks in, during the off-season. And I think it's – I love ducks. I love being in the marsh. I think it's fun. I don't think it causes any problems. We're just going to have a discussion about it. And I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Awesome. Alrighty. Yeah. That's a, that's a good introduction to it. I won't add anything. Um, we do, we do. I will say that, um, kind of to give it a little bit, a little bit of prefix. Um, I don't want it to, you know, it's kind of a debate between Elliot and Rob and I don't want it to come across that I'm, I'm piling on in any way, or it's like a two verse one or anything like that. So I'll stay pretty neutral. I'll kind of, um, give a little guidance here, there, if I need to, as far as what direction we need to go. And, and, uh, Beyond that, we'll just let Elliot and Rob um, have a discussion about duck hunting, and uh, you know, in a in a very positive way. So, alrighty, uh, let's get a quick word from our partners, and we'll jump right into it. So, first off, I'd like to give a big big thanks to Onyx guys. If you if you're not using Onyx, and the the people hunting around you are, you're 100 percent at a disadvantage. It is the quickest way to find out where property owners live, so you can get permission. And it's the quickest way to know on public land where you stand and if you're um, in a legal area to hunt and or if you're trying to find new places, you can find them super quick. So you check out Onyx, guys. You can get it on mobile. You can get it on um, Apple. You can get it on Android. Um, you can pull it up on your computer, and they all link together. So if I put a pin on my computer and I drive around the next day, it's on my phone as well. So um, definitely a tool that I will use as long as it exists, and it is awesome for duck hunters. I hope I'm getting this date right. I've been telling people, Jordan, that the live stream hunt giveaway is on August 25th at 8 o'clock central. So I've said it on multiple videos, so I hope that that's the same date that you and I, I'm kind of thinking maybe it's supposed to be the 26th, but I've been telling everyone the 25th, so <laughs> I'm just going to keep going with that. <laughs> I'm not going to go back and re-edit all my videos. Anyway, guys, we are Jordan and I are giving away a whole hunt weekend. 
And this is, we're going to give this away on August 25th on Freelance Duck Hunting YouTube channel. And if your name is drawn, you will get $400 and you may bring a friend if you would like to. And we're going to hunt a Saturday and a Sunday. We'll talk about it on the phone and set up a time that works for you and for us. And it's, we're going to, both of us will be making videos of the deal. And we're just really, really excited about doing this. If you want to get entered into this contest, Go to patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting. And there, there will be a video there that kind of gives a little explanation of it. You can listen to the video and see if it's something that you want to enter into. And you can get as many entries into it as you would like. So patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting for the chance to come hunt on a hunt weekend with us. And we're going to try to make this an annual thing. We'll see how it goes. Unless Jordan ends up getting into a brawl with the guest or something like that, then we're hoping we can do it every year. He's a little feisty. No, I'll probably just have to throw you through the decoys again, but at least uh, at least we'll have a witness. So I wish that wasn't on video so I could deny it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't deny anything about that. It was on video. Damn awesome. <laughs> uh, also like to give a big thanks to Motion Deck Decoys. Um, guys, it's a perfect system for getting ripples through your set. Throw it out there. They have the regular spreader and they have the ultimate spreader. Me and Elliot both prefer to run the ultimate spreader. Seven ducks breaks down and, and goes together in minutes. It is a jerk rig on steroids. Um, definitely check it out. Our promo code for that is duck gun 2020 duck gun 2020. And it gets you 10% off and free shipping. Um, guys, don't just take our word for it though. Check out a video. We have videos of, uh, of it on our YouTube channels. Motion ducks has videos of it. See it in action and you'll be a believer. Check them out. Motionducks.com. Did you say believer? Believer. What's a bel- believer? Is what's a believer? <laughs> it's a fan of Justin Bieber. Oh, <laughs> well, Sorry. you will not be a fan of Justin uh, uh, Bieber. You won't. <laughs> so- Bieber, Bieber. <laughs> I thought maybe you were a closet fan of his, and it just came out. Um, no. no, if I was a, you know, I have uh, no, I, I can't name one of his songs. If you were a fan, would you have told me? Why not? Is there a a, a a hatred for him that you have or something? I don't have a hatred towards him. I just think it's... I know very little about him. him. All right. So anyway, guys, it is a <laughs> month away from season. If you still need gear, Bandit.com for Bandit, GHG, Avery. I'm telling you guys, we keep saying it. Once you, You're going to get addicted like Jordan and I are to these products. It's like... Just go and check it out and take a look at what they've got. Sample something, and you'll see the quality and how awesome they are. We, and I was just talking to old Corn today about getting a pair of waders. Like, listen, Corn, quit wearing those stupid neoprene. You look dumb in it, number one, which everyone, I've never, have you ever seen anyone look good in neoprene? No. No one looks good in neoprene waders. Dude, everyone looks stupid in them, guys. If you don't know you look stupid in neoprene, you do. We all do. They're dumb. Those breathable banded waders, those 2.0s, are awesome. I'm telling you, I just was working on a video about my two-year review of them, and they're, it's a good product. So I'm trying to get corn to go away from those and his neoprene and going into the banded breathables. But uh, go check them out, banded.com. Awesome. All right, let's go ahead and get Rob in here, and we'll jump right into the podcast. 
So we've asked Rob Noker to come on and talk with us today. And I want to give you guys a little bit of background as to why we brought Rob on here. For those of you that watch my YouTube channel and my videos, I, I released a video on Tuesday that was a simulated duck hunt. And in, in this hunt, Aiden and my dad and I, we went out in April, we put out decoys and we decoyed ducks and we had fake guns. We had sticks and a paddle and we pretended to shoot the ducks and kept track of our limit. And so I, I knew when I posted this video that I would, that there was going to be some people that didn't agree with it. Cause I've had comments like that before, as far as educating ducks and things and things of that nature. And I posted the video on Hardcore Waterfowl, which is a Facebook group. Um, and there was mostly the comments were positive, but I did get enough of a discussion from some people, Rob being one of them, that had specific reasons as to why they felt that this was uh, a practice that maybe wasn't the best for the waterfowl species. So we had we asked Rob to come back on to come on here with us. And so we're just going to have a little conversation. Rob's going to kind of lay out um, why he feels like that that's not a practice that people should be doing. And I will just see where, where the discussion goes. So, Rob, thank you for coming on. And it's I, go ahead. Just lay it lay it out there for me. What what are your thoughts as far as why people shouldn't go on off season simulated duck hunts or disturb? I guess really it's it's disturbing waterfowl during the off season, basically. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, and thank you again for uh, for having me and, and being open to discussion. I, I truly believe that uh, these kind of things are, are very important. People with differing opinions uh, and whatnot. Um, <clears throat> so if, if you'll allow me, um, I'll actually give a brief, a little overview um, of where my belief system on this comes from. Um, in 2019, Express Boats got a little bit of a uh, partnership together and they put on a series called the state of the waterfowl and what they aim to do with that. And they do a great job at the beginning of their videos, um, starting in that 2019 series, they put a quote at the beginning. It says a panel of unbiased waterfowl biologists and industry professionals representing the Mississippi flyway convened to specifically answer the questions. All of us want to know what is the state of waterfowl and where are the ducks? Um, on that panel, Doug Miller is the host. He's the executive operations manager for Gross Savant Lodge down in Louisiana. Mickey Heitmeyer is a renowned waterfowl biologist, along with Dave Duncan, who would be his uh, Canadian counterpart. Larry Reynolds is the Louisiana Department of Fish and Wildlife uh, Waterfowl Program Manager. And Paul Link, who does a lot of really cool telemetry work with the new management plan, court, or I'm sorry, with the new management plan. Um, along with them, they have two uh, hunter representatives, Jim Ronquist, who uh, is just one hell of a duck hunter. I mean, I think that name is pretty uh, synonymous across the industry. Um, and then Cason Short, who uh, owns and operates Bill Buyer Club. Both those guys are from Arkansas. Um, one of the topics that they cover um, in this series is hunting pressure. Um, though the data specifically we are not at a point yet where we can get conclusive evidence to show that uh, specific hunting pressure in specific situations uh, under specific population densities, along with a, a myriad of other factors, um, is a, you know an additive or compensatory uh, factor in the mortality rate of ducks. Um, there is a pretty significant amount of evidence to at least be asking those questions. So, in my own education, in watching the series and and starting to really dive into this whole topic, um, uh, even for myself. Uh, when I came across this video, 
um, about doing the April hunt, uh, the simulated hunt, um, it just, it, it, it struck me a little bit oddly, um, through my whole raising, even before I ever, um, found any of these guys or started to listen to some of these true experts talk about this kind of stuff. Um, hunting pressure had always been something that, uh, we, it was, it was at the forefront of our minds all the time. Um, in, in every effort that we were able to make, um, we left them alone. And so I think maybe a little bit of, uh, you know, my past personal experience where I grew up, uh, hunting, uh, central Kentucky actually, uh, where, you know, if we went out and, and we even honestly saw a duck, um, that, that was a good day, much less got to shoot at one. Um, we just grew up with a little bit of a, of a different mindset as far as that's concerned. Um, and then obviously once I've really tried to dive into this state of waterfowl stuff and, and start to have these conversations, it really seems like hunting pressure, um, be it uh, during the season, out of season, um, even, you know, banding practices. They talk about human interaction uh, with a bird specifically at any time and the effect that it has on the potential mortality of that individual. Um, it's pretty incredible. Um, so where my opposition came um, towards the video specifically, um, and, and, and I watched, uh, both y'all's channels, um, extensively. I really like uh, what you guys do to be totally honest. Um, and this video specifically, I, I, I wanted, I, I just, it, it struck me as odd that, well, I think it really, it comes from the fact that I don't think many people have seen this series. Um, when you watch the videos and you look at the view count, I mean, some of them are, are sub 200 or like sub 500, uh, views. Mm-hmm. So there's not a lot of sharing of this knowledge that is going on. Um, and really, so kind of that's where the conversation started. Um, we had a couple com- or uh, comments back and forth on, on Facebook, which we all know can, can, uh, you know, go kind of sideways sometimes, but I think it, it ended up uh, with some really positive uh, private messages back and forth. Uh, and then you were uh, gracious enough to invite me on today to talk about it. Yeah. And, and I watched, I watched those videos and a good, a good portion of them. And the premise to begin with of where are the ducks? It's really, this was a really a summit for, for Louisiana and Arkansas. Would you, would you agree with that statement? Yeah, they um, they cover a lot um, as far as like the prairie pothole region is concerned. And actually, um, the science that they do bring to it specifically um, deals with the I've got it wrote down right here. It is. Excuse me for using my notes. Um, the yeah, there's the uh, the north central uh, continental U.S. and then the south central of Canada and specifically um, talking about mallards in general. But, but where uh, are the, the ducks is not a, not a problem for the Central Flyway, and it's not a problem for California. I mean, duck duck numbers are up significantly throughout the U.S. I mean, the, from the 2019 numbers, mallards are 19 percent above their long term average, gadwalls are 61 percent above their long term average, and so on. You can go down the list. The only two ducks that right. are below long term er- averages are pintail and scop. So when we say where are the ducks. It's really to me what they were what they were addressing is why are the ducks not getting as far south as they as they used to because here in Kansas Nebraska Dakotas we're not asking where the ducks are they're they're everywhere I mean these are these are the golden years for me I've been hunting since 1990 and I, I hunted through um, you know the mid 90s the mallard the mallard limit in Kansas was two two mallards and the, the the populations were low so but from then on i mean the resource is growing and growing and growing and growing so 
you know, when they say, where are the ducks? I'm like, you know, it, it, it just seemed very much as though it was really because they talked a lot about the corn and because people in the South have a thing that the corn is stopping the birds. It, it really seemed like the question that they were trying to answer to me is why aren't the ducks getting down to Arkansas and Louisiana and in, in the South and hypothesis is of that. Um, it is that, am I misunderstanding kind of, is that how no, you see it No, no, actually, I, I think you're spot on. Um, and, and that's really where the conversation started. Um, because Mississippi mm-hmm. Flyway over the last few years has seen a significant, uh, drop in those areas. Um, and the big names in, in Louisiana and Arkansas, um, started freaking out. And so that's really mm-hmm. where this conversation started. And then I think, um, through asking those questions, they started, you know, to, to track the migration, started to study these different things, um, and then through that gained some different knowledge about the Central Flyway and, and other things as well. Yeah, and the word, add, you referenced the word additive. I, I had not been aware of that word and what it meant until I watched that series. And correct me, so correct me if I'm wrong. Additive means it doesn't affect the mortality rate of the entire species, correct? Uh, it, won't, it won't cause more death. death is additive Ad, that additive is so additive, additive would be okay. correct and then compensatory would be the latter okay so compensatory means oh so for example shooting hens most biologists believe now that shooting hen mallard hens is compensatory to the species it does not it does not decrease the population of the species correct uh, well so I think I think additive is talking about like an outside factor more so, and compensatory would be like, well, that bird would have died from disease anyway. Okay, but but so does additive? Because I thought after listening to that additive that it's tied into um, the population size decreasing, but that's incorrect. I I believe so. Um, to be honest with you as well, the the concept of additive and compensatory when applied in this way uh, is still new mm-hmm. to me as well. Um, so I I believe so. Um, really, the only other expansion on that that I have is I know that the the AHM program, the Adaptive Harvest Management, that they use to predict next year's breeding population, that mm-hmm. they use those four additive and compensatory models. But other than that, I'm, I'm fairly new to those concepts as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to, trying to take him as well. So let me, let me ask you this question. M- m- me going out and um, with my buddies and doing, let's say I did four simulated duck hunts in a year. What negative effect do you feel like that that is going to cause for the species or hunters? Um. As an isolated incident, I don't think it's going to do anything at all. Um, as over time, if um, there were to be, if, if there was like a culture shift and those practices were adopted for hunters that are bored and go out and hunt a couple times in the spring, a couple times in the summer. Um, and, I, and this is, it, it's hard for me to say this because there's no data to support either Mm -hmm. side of this yet right we're Mm -hmm. still very much in the infancy of putting statistical data to a lot of these issues um so as as an isolated event i i i can't there it didn't do anything there's nothing wrong with it i where my issue came was more i don't want to see that become an adopted practice across like the culture as a whole because it is my belief that over time that would cause a negative effect on the population so you it would it would create it would create a population decrease. 
Uh, I would say so, yeah. But it's it's so very hard to say that with any kind of certainty. (laughs) So we would be talking about enough disturbance on the birds that they would it would affect their body weight, their body size. They wouldn't be able to reproduce enough, um, though, and therefore over time the population would drop. Right? That's that's what we're essentially saying. Yeah. Well, yeah. So it's it's basically you you talk about hunting pressure as a whole, right? Because is Mm. is hunting pressure even during the season? Is it additive or compensatory? Well, most people Mm. that you talk to, they'll say that it's additive, which if Mm. that's agreed upon, then if you're doing the same activity just in the spring during a different part of their migrational pattern, you would assume that it would also have some of those same effects. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you an opinion question. Do you think how, what percent of the hunting population do you think would be willing to go out and pretend shoot ducks with a gun, with a fake gun? Oh, uh, see, I don't know. Cause the, and that's, that's where another part of this comes from. Right. Cause like the, the YouTube, like I talk about is, and I, I watch YouTube a lot, but there's a lot mm-hmm. of, if, if, if I'm new to anything, I go to YouTube and by far and away, when I see these polls on Facebook talking about, well, who's got the good content? Who has, who's reputable? Who carries themselves well? Who puts out the good content? By far and away, freelance duck hunting is in, in the top two, if not the top one, top three, almost every time. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm a new duck hunter and I'm coming to YouTube to learn some new stuff and try to pick up some new things and, and pass it on to my friends as we're all learning together and they come across that video and then it become. I mean, it, it, it's hard to answer that question with with some certainty because right now I would say that that number that percentage number is probably pretty darn low. It's probably you guys and and you know maybe a few others. I know there's some uh, high quality photography stuff that goes on where they set up decoys and and do some stuff like that. There's also some uh, scientific studies and things that go on where they use decoys and, and calls and all that kind of stuff. And and you know it's it, it's it's all part of the same argument, but. To, I guess it's a long-winded answer to say that, yeah, there's definitely not a lot of people doing it right now, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, my ultimate feeling – well, for my, my ultimate feeling is that I, I don't think that there's any way or any chance that there would be enough people that would take up the hobby of going and basically bird watching with a little twist to it to have any kind of, of real damage. I just don't think that's the culture. I mean, I don't, when I go to, I, I, I love going to the marshes. I, I scout off season. If I, if I go two or three weeks without being in a marsh, I just have to go. I, I want to be in it and I'm out there and I'm daydreaming about drugs. I am so eaten up with waterfowl that I just need to be there. I'm kind of like a marsh rat and I never, ever see anyone out there. Not, I cannot tell you I don't think a single time off season I've gone into a marsh and, and seen anyone else. Now, why is that? Why why are guys not willing to go into an environment they love off season? And to me, I don't. This is an opinion, purely opinion. I think it's because the incentive of going is killing birds for the vast majority of hunters. And me too. I love killing ducks. I I go every as much as I can during hunting season because I can kill ducks off season. I may go, you know, I may go and try to decoy them a, a couple of times, which we have done during our past. It's the first time we've ever done anything like that with like a simulated hunt. But then off season, I go once every, every month or so. Why? Because I can't, cause I can't kill a duck. And I'm on that far extreme side of, not, not being, well, maybe not far extreme. Jordan would might push back about that a little bit. But I, I, I just cannot imagine, again, this is opinion, and you said it would take a cultural, sh- or a, a cultural shift, which those do happen. I just cannot imagine enough hunters 
going into the marshes off season and decoying ducks to ever make a, a, a serious problem with the population. I mean, when we look at the population numbers now, they're booming. And this is with all of the waterfowl hunting that's been going on in the 1900s. I mean, you know, it's waterfowl hunting is there has been lots and lots and lots of pressure from waterfowl huntings through the 1900s till now. And look at where the population sizes are now. We're, we're way above long-term averages. And so to me, to me, looking at, at that, I, I just, I can't buy into that it's a big enough of a problem that people shouldn't go out and do that. Those, those people that get joy and satisfaction from it. You know, am I going to tell Phil Conkey he can't decoy ducks and take pictures because of a fear that is not based in, in any data, any data that we're seeing at all. In fact, the, the study that you had posted a study on that Facebook group and that study, I'm going to read you the, their conclusion to the study. This, now, this was done in Europe in 2013, and it was done in Europe, but they do reference – I read the whole thing. They do reference yeah. um, North American birds to a point. But there, here's their conclusion, and the title of this is Hunting of Migratory Birds, Disturbance Intolerance or Harvest Tolerant. So this is just about – basically about hunter hunting pressure on birds, not just not just waterfowl, but they are – they're honing in on waterfowl. So it's not talking about off-season, but I think we could probably both agree that hunting pressure would have a bigger negative influence on birds than simulated hunts, or at least to the same level. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it, like you said, it hasn't been studied yet, but you could relatively easily infer that. Well, this study came out in 2013, and their conclusion says that Hunting disturbance on migratory birds, and I'm sorry, I need to say who this is from. This was this was put out by the NORDAC uh, Board of Wildlife Research in 2013, and their conclusion was that um, hunting disturbance on migratory birds and may influence migratory bird behavior and movements, but studies have not found a corresponding increase in non-hunting mortality factors or any reduction in the feeding, body condition, breeding success, or any long-term population decrease. So there, the finding of this study of 2013 was that hunting pressure in itself does not affect how well they're able to feed, their body condition, their breeding, their breeding success, their long-term populations don't decrease. So Based on all of the information that, that I'm seeing with the booming population of waterfowl, this study that, that, has, that has come out, my own experience, I, I just can't get on board that that is a negative, that that's a negative to go out and, you know, e even if people, even let's say 10% of the waterfowl hunters start, started doing that. I, I just, from the data in front of me, I don't see how it's saying that it would really be harmful well and and really you're right um and honestly i apologize that i, I sent you a, a dated uh study um i was i was trying to find well, 2013 is not that was. dated 2013 is not that dated well I mean, as, that's so, eight years ago well no and you're and you're right it, it, it's within the, the last decade and we've been studying waterfowl for much longer than that um but i mean 
until those things are studied specifically, I don't have a solid argument to be able to be like, look, this is the right way to do it, or this is the this is not the right way to do it. Mm-hmm. Where my passion for this specific topic, hunting pressure, comes from is in conjunction with the many other factors that are affecting these waterfowl populations and the migratory patterns today. So I don't know how much time we have, if you all are, are up for it or not, but I was hoping that we might be able to get into spinning wing decoys as well, which is a fun topic to cover. Um, and there's some really interesting data uh, and some really cool scientific studies that have been done um, over the past few years before COVID hit, um, as far as that's concerned. Um, I, I, I will say, I think as for the hunting pressure side of things, uh, we might just have to agree to disagree for now until, uh, you know, some more uh, concrete evidence comes out that might be a little bit more applicable um, to our specific situation. Um, and then, uh, you know, we can we can move on if you'd like. Yeah, let, let me ask you a, a couple a couple more questions. What's what state are you, do you live in? I'm sorry. What state do you live in? Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Okay. I was just looking, I didn't know if you were, I thought maybe you were in Louisiana or Arkansas, but I was just looking at in my research today, the number, the amount of hunting pressure that we see in Arkansas and Louisiana. And I had those two States on my, on my brain because I literally spent all morning <laughs> listening to their content. And and I will tell you, Rob's right. If you guys have not seen these state of the waterfowl videos, they're absolutely worth your watching. They're absolutely worth your watching. And, and I would, I would love to speak um, probably briefly because we don't have, tons of time about the spinning wing decoying because I did listen to those and found it fascinating, found it, found it absolutely fascinating what they were saying about it. Things that I didn't know um, that, that were, that were really interesting, but there is so much hunting pressure. If we're, if we're really, really concerned about population size, why should 70,000 people be allowed to hunt in a, in the small state of Louisiana? I mean, if, if we're that concerned that we're going to say, you know, a couple guys, or people, no, I'm take that back, that people shouldn't go out in the spring and interact with ducks. Why are we letting 70,000 people hunt in Louisiana? I mean, for the amount of that size of that state, that's more than California. I mean, Arkansas and Louisiana, the hunting pressure in those two states are, I, I knew that it was bad but when I got into looking at the numbers, like uh, Oklahoma, I forget what the number was in Oklahoma. I think it was around 25,000. Uh, Nebraska is about 15,000 licenses sold. Kansas is about 15,000. You get down in Arkansas and Louisiana and it's just ridiculous. So in my, in my way of thinking, if we're, if we're going to, if, if our number one goal is really population size, then, I mean, why wouldn't we look at hunting restrictions changing? To, to what the real problem might be. Elliot, now you're going to yeah, be, you're, right. you're going to be stirring a pot now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, but no, it's a good that's question. A valid question. I, it's a valid question. It's a, it's a very valid question. And I think that's why these conversations are so important because the issue truly is multidimensional. It's not just one of these factors that plays a part in, oh, it's spinning wing decoys. Oh, it's, you know, hunting pressure. Oh, it's climate change. Oh, it's, you know, season dates and bag limits, habitat conditions, timber conditions, you know, to the migratory. It's, 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 it's a lot of different things that we can that we just need to be having these conversations on. Sure. And I completely agree with you. And I don't know how you feel about the time, Jordan, the spinning wing decoy topic is quite fascinating, but um, I know we have a little bit of a time schedule. So it's what do you, um, 
I think I think that's almost almost another podcast topic. So I I think let's right. let's wrap up this segment. Well, and, and you know what, it Rob might be interesting is for Jordan and I to reach out to um, a couple of those biologists that were on that committee. That that would be fascinating. But I definitely definitely want to discuss spinning wing after we're listening to those videos. I would like to discuss spinning wing decoys on this podcast at some point because really interesting interesting information there. Yeah, it, it's all truly fascinating. And, and uh, once again, guys, I, I appreciate the time more than anything. Um, you know, my biggest goal here today, honestly, is to just bring more attention to those guys that, that had that roundtable discussion. Um, the information is out there, and I just believe wholeheartedly uh, that these conversations are extremely important for the longevity of the resource. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's there's some things that, that are, are troubling. There really are. So it's, it's I, I really encourage everybody to – you know, go check it out and, um, you know, form your own opinions and, and start having conversations with your buddies in the blind. I agree. And I think, Rob, honestly, you were extremely well-spoken. I think you articulated yourself really, really well. And, you know, just to be contacted on Facebook to come on a podcast, you know, that may have been something that seemed overwhelming. I thought you handled yourself beautifully. I respect your passion for waterfowl. And, you know, it you got me into the weeds on this stuff but I, on, on quite honestly topics. I didn't know the full depth of them. So I appreciate that. No problem at all. And uh, to both you guys, if you're ever uh, in Oklahoma, this coming, uh, this coming season, I'm uh, I'm a public land guy through and through. I beat it up. Um, I love the, uh, the competition of it and I love uh, being successful on public lands and y'all are welcome. Uh, welcome to share a blind anytime. All right, fellas. So, um, we just uh, jumped off that call with Rob there, um, finished up saying goodbye and all that kind of stuff, and and uh, you know thanked him for coming on and and having a friendly debate with Elliot on that conversation. Um, you know dur- during I, I said that in the beginning, guys, that I didn't want to um, I didn't want to make it feel like a pile on or something like that. You know where it's like two versus one because um, Elliot and me kind of are of the same mind on on the on the subject. So you know it, I just. I kind of just kept quiet and all that, but um, kind of to close it out, I did want to share my opinion a little bit. Um, so, Rob, you're listening to this. You know, I just want to make sure that this comes across respectful. I didn't want to be like, hey, uh, it to come across the way where I'm saying it after you're gone and you can't, you know, voice your opinion. But this is kind of just my closing thoughts on it. And you know, I really think that the big, the big that kind of, the big thing that kind of stands out to me. Um, is kind of Elliot's point about the number of duck hunters during the season versus, you know, a few guys going out there in the marsh. Um, I just, yeah, I just can't imagine it really making um, a look of difference. So, you know, and and we talk about numbers and and data and all that. And I just can't imagine any amount of data that would change, change my mind on that. So, I mean, not saying that people shouldn't go out there and, and try to do studies on that and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, you got any closing words on it as well? Or I think ultimately we need more Robs that are that passionate about waterfowl. I mean, all, all of his concern and his points are about the well-being of waterfowl. And there are enough hunters out there who leave trash everywhere, leave their spent shells, don't look hard enough for wounded birds, take completely unethical shots... You know, there's enough of those guys out there that if I have a disagreement with guys like Rob, ultimately it's like, man, you know what? We are both 
love waterfowl. We're both really, really passionate about waterfowl, and we we need more of that. Yeah, less about that. I, now, I, next year, I next year I plan to simulate and hunt more because I don't think it makes any difference. I don't think anyone's going to do it. I don't think people, and if a few people do do it. I still don't think it's going to make a difference. Yep. I just don't. I, we'll, was, we'll never get to the number where it's like you said, like across the country. I mean, we got, I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands of tens of thousands, thousands of duck hunters going out day in and day out. And, yes. uh, you know, for a few times a summer, a few groups here and there, even if, you know, it becomes popular with the hardcorest of hardcore duck hunters. And it's, I mean, it, it, we're, we're bumping some birds off the water, which like, Think about all the places we do that already with kayaking and summer activities. Yeah, yeah like these marshes and, and stuff like that. It's a little different. But, yeah, everywhere I live is pretty much accessible to people mm-hmm. doing, like, summer outdoor hobbies. And they'll just the, – the birds will go find some place that people aren't doing that if it's if it's bothering them. So, yeah. But – Actually, I, like, I, we go fishing up in the Sandhills because we don't really have ducks off season here after April. That's kind of the weird – that's why we're at seeing blue-winged teals in that video – in that video if you guys haven't seen the video freelance duck hunting youtube channel you gotta see it i thought it was a fantastic honestly it's one of my favorite videos that i put out since that's non-duck hunting and i liked it way more than a lot of my duck hunting videos but <laughs> honestly I mean, yeah. when we're up fishing in when we're up fishing in nebraska we're constantly flushing ducks up there as we're driving down the roads as we're fishing as we're, i mean you know so um i agree with rob that we need to take waterfowl serious and we need to take these topics that they talked about on the, the state of the waterfowl serious, but we're just in disagreement that simulated duck hunting, it doesn't matter and it doesn't make a difference and it's yep. joyful and fun. Yeah. And I, I can see why people in certain areas, especially like Louisiana, where there's a very rich heritage of, of duck hunting and they've been having some years that struggle and they have some stuff going on with that, with weather or, or whatever, you know, whatever might be the case. Um, you know, I, I can see why those people in particular would be very worried, you know. So it's like, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, that's why they ended up doing those roundtables and all that from from what yeah. I gathered. Um, you know, and, and kind of the kind of closing thoughts on it, too. It's like you said, um, it's definitely positive to have, like, conversations like this, especially because, um, you know, think about, like, the Facebook thing where it's kind of heated, the initial post back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then something like this where you can get together and you just realize, well, we're both very avid waterfowl hunters. You know, all of us are very avid waterfowl hunters. We love the sport. We want to do things that protect the sport. Um, we want to do things where we can enjoy the sport and do all of that together. So, um, you know, without, you know, we want our enjoyment of the sport to not, um, overtake kind of protecting the sport, but you know, going out there and doing simulated duck hunts as part of enjoying the sport. Yep. Did you like that video? I did. It definitely, uh, it made me, it made me giggle a few times how serious you guys yeah. took it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I my shot favorite that one. <laughs> part, my, oh, my dad, I was like, I missed it. He's like, was serious. He's like, I'm pretty sure I shot behind that one. <laughs> I missed it. <laughs> then, but my favorite part is when Aiden claims to have water swatted three coots with one shot. And the, the GoPro is on the front of the kayak looking back at him and he's giggling and he puts those, it's on the thumbnail. He puts that thing above his head and you can just see the joy that he's having, how much he's enjoying at that time. I love oh, yeah. that. I laugh out loud every time on that part of the video. Awesome. Awesome. 
Alrighty. Well, I think that's a pretty good place to go ahead and wrap it up. Um, thanks everybody for tuning in for another episode. You know, this one a little bit different than our normal, you know, normal uh, episodes we have, but I hope you guys got some good information out of it and, you know, feel free to reach out to us and, and tell you kind of tell us, I know Elliot's probably already getting enough of that, but tell us what you guys opinion opinions are on, on this whole topic. And um, once again, Rob, if you're listening, thanks for coming on. Um, but that's all we got for today, guys. I'm Jordan Duckin Chronicles, Elliot from Freelance Duckin, and we'll see you guys on the next one.